What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special edition of You Think. This week, I had the opportunity to sit down with legendary Hall of Fame basketball coach Roy Williams. Coach Williams has won three national titles, University of North Carolina. Before that, he was at Kansas, 900 career wins, nine Final Four appearances, and, and of course, all eyes. Everyone's talking about the big matchup this weekend, the Final Four in the men's bracket. Uh, for the first time ever, Duke, North Carolina, facing off. Coach K, his final year, swan song, riding off into the sunset. Is Duke going to win it in Coach K's last year? North Carolina, a little bit of the underdog. No one expected them to make it this far. Led by Hubert Davis, who was the, the hand-picked choice by Coach Williams to take over the reins when he stepped away and retired after last season. We cover all of those things and more. So I really hope you enjoy this special edition of You Think, brought to you by Audiorama. And as always, our friends at Invisalign, a very special conversation and sit down with legendary Hall of Fame basketball coach, Roy Williams. All right, well, to say that my next guest, um, the fact that he has agreed to join us here on another special episode of Youth Inc. Um, is a humbling experience, would be an under statement of the year. I had a, a chance to to meet coach Roy Williams a few years ago, actually, when they had me as a guest up to one of their games up in Chapel Hill, um, living here in, in Charlotte. And obviously here being a UNC fan with everyone else here in, in the Carolinas. And then actually, we actually ran into each other at a Hornets game here mm-hmm. in Charlotte. And um, I reached out to him. I know his son, Scott, were neighbors and of all weeks to be able to hear and have a conversation with the legendary, one of the all-time greatest men's basketball coaches, coaches in any sport in history, um, Coach Roy Williams. Coach, I can't thank you enough for taking time to speak with us today here on You Think. I still hope you feel that way at the end. We haven't embarrassed and hurt your ratings yet. (laughs) No. Coach, I mean, of all weeks, it's so fitting. And we're going to obviously start with the topic that everyone is so excited about. I I live in Charlotte. You can't go anywhere. Duke, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. at any moment is a huge game, let alone for the first time, those two historic teams playing against each other NCAA March Madness tournament, but let alone in the final four. And just take us into the mindset. You, you coached in nine final fours between Kansas and North Carolina. Like, what is this week like? Just take us a little behind the scenes as a coach of what it's like getting these young men ready for the moment of their lives. Well, it, it will be a moment of their lives and it'll be something they remember forever. And we always say we hope you have bigger moments, you know, with your family and things like that later on. But if you're a college basketball player playing in the Final Four, is is what you dream about all the time. Now, when you get there, let's go ahead and win the darn thing while we're here, kind of thing. But no, this week uh, the team left Wednesday night. Uh, they're down there every time they turn around, somebody's stopping them, asking for an autograph or a picture. You almost try to seclude your team a little bit. Uh, to even have a normalcy about the whole thing. But Coach Davis and his staff, they've planned it out, what they're doing. I think, in fact, I think right now they're at practice. They have a closed practice down in New Orleans today. I'm going down tomorrow morning. But it is, uh, everybody dreams of playing in the Final Four. Everybody dreams of being standing on that stage when they play that song, One Shining Moment. And so many of your plays are in that video. And uh, uh, for our guys, they've worked awfully hard this year. They've had some ups and downs, but they've really faced adversity. And I think right now they're playing basketball maybe better than anybody in the country. And now you still got to do it on Saturday and Monday, though, to, to get what you really want. But it is a, an ex- experience that you never forget. 
uh, the NCAA does some nice things about uh, setting things up for the players and with the new things in social media and videos and everything that they end up doing. And you have to be very careful to make sure that they don't lose the focus on what we're here for. And, and again, I think people, you know, we, for the last month, but, you know, for the last years, we've seen these guys play on TV. And I think a lot of times people, you know, just assume these are these are adults, these are professionals. And for a lot of these basketball teams, these kids are young, you know, they're kids. And, and obviously a big focus here on you think is, is the best practices of youth sports, whether it's at, you know, pop Warner level or youth level, but even colleges that's amateur athletics. You're dealing with 18, 19 year old kids who for a lot of them, this has been the biggest moment of their lives. And you mentioned finding that balance in the preparation as a coach. What does that look like? How do you let the kids really embrace the experience in the moment but also not let that cloud their preparation and their mindset going in. Yeah, you do have to get it in compartments. You have to say, okay, we're going to practice. Let's wipe everything out. You know, now we have some free time, enjoy things. I remember my uh, next to last game as a Kansas coach was in the Final Four, and we played Marquette with Dwayne Wade, who needless to say is going to be a Hall of Fame <laughs> player and had a great, great career. At halftime, we had his team 29, and he was playing at Marquette, and we were at 59 to 30. And just drilled them. And fast forward, that was 93. And so in, uh, uh, excuse me, 2003. Uh, so 2004, I'm one of the assistant coaches on the Olympic team. And there's Dwayne Wade. And he said, you're the man that I still have nightmares about. And, <laughs> you know, this is his, he's already in the NBA kind of thing. But what you do is you do have to remain focused when it's time to do that. You got to put it. You know, your family and your tickets, put those to one side. The people are there with you. Put that to another side. Enjoy your time. Make some time. The coaching staff will make some time uh, for sure that the players will have that free time and to go around and look around New Orleans and and enjoy the experience. But, boy, when you go into the meeting room, when you're starting to watch the tape, when you're listening to the scouting report, when you go to the practice, when you go to the shoot around, it's got to be 100% focused because the other four teams are good. Or they, I mean, the other three teams, excuse me, all four teams are good or you wouldn't be there. But you do have to really do a great job of budgeting your time. Uh, but make sure the kids understand it's a great time and it's an experience that they'll remember forever. I think it's so important for, for our viewers. And we have a lot of young coaches, aspiring coaches and parents that are kind of navigating the, the youth sports uh, environment. I think obviously your voice and, and experience is just so vital. You mentioned coach Davis, coach Hubert Davis, um, he, your successor has them in the final four. I, I watched last week watching them win that elite eight game and the camera panning to you in the, in the bleachers and, and coach coming onto the podium and pointing at you and saying, thank you. I love you. And, and I read some of your comments in the post game. I mean, thinking about it gives me chills. And you said, you know, for here's a guy yourself, you've been in nine final fours. You've won multiple, you know, three national titles. Your resume is unmatched. And you said that could have been your most proudest moment in your coaching career. I, when, when did you know Hubert Davis was special? You know, he's, he's never disappointed me in any way, shape or form. Even since I remember when he was a young kid coming to coach Smith's uh, Carolina basketball camp in the summer and being in the free throw contest with, you know, 600 kids there yelling and screaming and him winning the free throw contest. He's one of those guys that is an overachiever. He was not a McDonald's all American, but he came to North Carolina and started. He was not a uh, first team all American, but he played in the NBA for 12 years, you know, and it's all his entire time. There were guys who were bigger and faster and quicker. Very few could shoot any better. Uh, but Nobody ever had the focus any better than Hubert did. And I think that uh, I was very fortunate, uh, gosh, 10 years ago now, 
when I asked him to come back and be my assistant. I just wanted a guy that I thought would love North Carolina basketball as much as I did. And I think we found that. And during those nine years as an assistant, he was sensational. And he's gotten even better as a head coach. They had some adversity. They lost some games. But regardless, if you lose by one or by 20, it's still just one game. And Coach Davis kept the guys focused on getting better each and every day. And it was a special moment for me when he's standing on the stage, you know, pointing to me and yelling. And it's a a kind of thing that made me very proud. But, you know, I've been proud of him all year, even in the tough times, because I would come to practice the next day and I would go home smiling because he was doing the things that, not that I know everything, but he was doing exactly the things that I'd hoped he would be doing. And he hasn't had to ask me for advice. He's been his own man. That's this is his team, but yes, uh, uh, his father and I'd have to say, and his family are the biggest fans he has. But it's it's just so special to just I can just see the look on your face, how, the way you speak about him and your experience. How much did you know? You had an opportunity in the early part of your coaching career as a college student. You know, I read about you asking Coach Dean Smith if you could just attend practice, and you found yourself in the bleachers taking notes, just kind of picking his brain. When often coached high school basketball in North Carolina, then joined joined Coach Smith. How much did you know, served as a decade of coaches. How much did you kind of template how you, how you would mentor in the mentorship of your assistant coaches based on your experience as a young assistant with coach Dean Smith, again, another legendary basketball coach who preceded you at North Carolina. I think that what coach Smith did every day, tried to prepare the rest of the assistants and myself included to become head coaches, to be able to make decisions. There's a huge difference in decisions and suggestions. The suggestions you can sort of get away from <laughs> the decisions you're stuck with them kind of thing. But so for me, that was a tremendous learning experience for 10 years. And then when I left and, and went to Kansas and was there for 15, Coach Smith, his, his statement to me the last night before I left, just be yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. You'll know what's right. You'll know what feels good to you. And that's the way I tried to do it. And and so when I became a head coach, I had assistant coaches, Kevin Stallings, Jerry Green, Steve Robinson, Mark Turgeon. Those are the first four guys I had. They all became at one time or another the coach of the conference coach of the year and the conferences that they were coaching. So it, it was something back here that with Jared Hass and C.B. McGrath and Hubert Davis and all the other guys every day trying to help them. Uh, but Hubert is something special. He really is because – Think about this, Greg. He he got some things from Roy Williams, but he was also coached by Larry Brown. He was also coached by Pat Riley. He was also coached by Don Nelson. You know, you can just go down the line. He had some great mentors, and and I think the best thing he has done is he'd taken a little bit from each one of those and and maybe even a little bit from me as well to to try to get to the style that he likes. Well, you mentioned the in, the impact the impact that you had on him and, and the impact Coach Smith had on you and some of the other you know Larry Brown and whatnot on, on Coach Davis, but you mentioned that that Buddy Baldwin and you went to high school in, in Asheville, North Carolina, and and you mentioned that of all the coaches you've been around, all the influences you've had on your playing and and of course a Hall of Fame coaching career, that your high school coach Buddy Baldwin has had as large an impact on your life, on your coaching history as anyone. I'd love to just hear, I I think the relationship, my father was a longtime 40 year high school football coach shaped me is a big reason how I coach youth sports now and involved. I've been the relationship between a player and their high school coach is something they never forget. You know, you forget your teacher's name sometimes, but you never forget your coach. Talk a little bit about, you know, what that experience was like with buddy Baldwin back, you know, growing up in Asheville and, and how it shaped you to be what you've accomplished so far. 
you know, it, it was, he was the most uh, extensive male influence in my entire life. I, I talked to him this morning. That's and, so cool. Know, he's 82 years old, but he was the guy that gave me confidence and made me feel good. And it's the first person to verbally say things that were very positive about me and my buddies and friends would come back and tell me what he had said. And that made me feel pretty good. And then I started thinking that I'm not the only guy he's ever done that for. So the summer after my ninth grade year, I decided that I wanted to be a basketball coach and uh, don't laugh, Greg, but uh, as a high school coach for those five years, I was also an assistant football coach. I know. I coached the, back, backs, uh, coached the backs on the ninth grade uh, football team at Owen High School. But, uh, no, Coach Baldwin, as you said, I, I remember the first day I ever met him. I remember things that he told me, the way that he coached me, and it was just uh, perfect for Roy Williams. And that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to make some kids uh, feel as good as Buddy Baldwin made me feel. It's so special that that relationship with the high school coach, you, you just, there's, there's nothing like it. And to hear you, the fact that you guys still talk on a moment like today before a big weekend is just so special. Well, you know, it, this weekend, of course, all eyes are on UNC and, and, and Duke and big final four match. We've talked about Hubert Davis, your successor there at UNC, but the coach on the other sideline is also someone that, you know, very well back, you know, not only at UNC, but at Kansas, you guys have had some historic matchups. Of course, that's, you know, legendary coach in his own right. Coach Krzyzewski, coach K with Duke. Just talk a little bit. What's the earliest memory you have, you know, maybe competing against coach K or maybe just coming crossing pads as mm-hmm. young coaches kind of starting out. It, obviously with this being his last year, it's very fitting that he's going against his arch nemesis here in mm-hmm. uh, what will be assuming his last final four. You know, well, Michael uh, became a head coach, I think at 24 at the uh, Army, at the West Point Academy. And I think that uh, uh, I became a head coach at 38. So when I first met Michael, I was an assistant coach here at North Carolina, and he got the head coaching job at Duke. And there were several times during those first couple of years. I remember one time going over to uh, play. uh, I was coaching the JV team here in Duke for two years, had a JV team. And so we went over there and played the game. And when we got there, they were just finishing up practice. And so I sent my guys to the locker room and uh, uh, Mike and I just sat outside in the bleachers for 10 or 15 minutes and just visited. And he had a tough job at that time. I mean, the first couple of years were very difficult. Tom Butters, his athletic director, believed in him and stuck with him. And, you know, now he has more wins than anybody who's ever coached. But I do believe that I remember those times we spent a lot of time together on the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the NABC Board of Directors. And it was amazing how many times issues would come up. And even though Mike and I were competitors, most of those issues, and I mean a high percentage, uh, we agreed on what we thought was right for college basketball. So our our outlook on college athletics has always been very similar. And I think he's just a big-time competitor. Uh, uh, He sets the bar awfully high. He makes you better if you're going to coach against him. And it's been an amazing run for 44 years or whatever it is. But, uh, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that uh, the old line from the movie a long, long time ago was, frankly, my dear. So right now, this weekend, frankly, my dear, I don't care about my <laughs> I care about those guys in the, in the pretty blue is actually what it is. But just a, a great deal of respect for a friend and a great deal of respect for a guy who's accomplished so many things. And, and you mentioned his resume and yours is is not 
is not obviously very far off Ev at all. You have one of the best, you know, coaching resumes of any sport in at any level in history. Do you see any similarities into your approach that you saw with Coach K? Like when when you guys would maybe compare notes or have conversations, did you see yourselves? You mentioned you were aligned as far as the future of the game. Did you see yourselves aligned as far as your approach and your actual philosophy of coaching? I think so. You know, he he went to West Point. The uh, discipline, the organization. Uh, you know, making sure you dot all the I's, I's cross the T's, all those kind of things. His mentor or one of his biggest mentors was Bob Knight. Uh, one of my biggest mentors was Dean Smith. And Coach Knight and Coach Smith were very, very good friends, played golf, did a lot of things together. Coach Knight would be the second guy after Coach Smith that I copied uh, more than anyone because man-to-man defense, freelance passing game, all those kind of things that I love. When Coach Knight uh, – really had it going at Indiana. He did that better than anybody. And so no question, 90% of my stuff came from Coach Smith, but more than anybody else, Bob Knight would be second. And so it, the, the, the way that we were raised by, if you can use that terminology by Coach Smith and, and Coach Knight, I think is very similar. Yeah, coaching coaching trees are always very interesting to study because there's so many consistent threads that you can trace through based on who you learned under. And as that tree kind of expands, I, I think that's, I remember that, that cover of sports illustrated with Bobby Knight and Dean Smith, where their faces were kind of looking at each other. And I think it said something along the lines of like the odd couple or, you know, yeah. something along that where it's saying like these are two polar opposites approaches as far as their personalities, you know, Bob Knight's throwing the chairs and getting kicked out of games, but, but they were best of friends. You mentioned they golf that that's really fascinating. Another, uh, another key aspect that we really touch on here. And of course we all know you as the coach, and, you know, the Hall of Famer and the resumes, the national titles, but you're also a father. Mm-hmm. And, and the part, you know, one of the elements here at you think is, is not only best practices of sport and best, act, best practices of coaching and philosophy, but it's also best practices of parenting. And I would love to hear you, you have a daughter, Kimberly, who also went to UNC up in Chapel Hill. And you also have a son, Scott, who's my neighbor, um, who was kind enough to connect us. And um, he played point guard at UNC. And I know you weren't there at the time as his coach, but Talk to us about when he's growing up or both your children are growing up and they're playing sports, but Scott's playing high school basketball, middle school basketball, whatever it is. And you're Roy Williams. Like when you go to the gym coach, are you sitting in the corner of the bleachers? Are you willing to go help out at practice? Like what, what did raising athletes in your family look like? It was, it was pretty easy for me because when I was coaching at Kansas, Scott went to Lawrence High, and they were very good. They won a state championship his senior year. One of my favorite family pictures is me, Wanda, Scott, and Kimmy after the game, and there was something wrong with the camera lens or something because my eyes are really red, and, you know, I don't know what that was from. It had to be something wrong with the camera. Yeah, of course. Camera. Of course. <laughs> in fact, we lost uh, in the Big 8 tournament that afternoon, and I jumped in the car and drove from Kansas City to Emporia uh, to see the game, but – I missed a lot of his games, which I hated. Uh, but sometimes I would even literally drive down the street from Allen Fieldhouse to Lawrence High School's gym, and I would go sit up in the balcony and just sit up in the corner and, and watch practice. And my general conversation with his coach was after the game, if they won, I'd say, great job, coach. And if they happened to lose, I'd say, a tough night tonight, but you'll get them next time. And that's all I ever said to him because I, I didn't ever want to get in the way, but I loved watching him play. And as I said, they were very successful, won a state championship. And then Kimberly uh, loved to dance. And she ended up being a, a dancer here at North Carolina for football and uh, basketball. And uh, uh, people think I'm telling a lie, but it's not. I loved watching her dance 
just as much as I watched, uh, loved watching Scott play basketball. And in fact, I make Scott mad all the time because I used to tell him I wish he had taken dance also because Kimberly had uh, quicker feet than he did. <laughs> I don't think he likes that kind of thing. But uh, no, for me, uh, watching them do their thing and Kimberly now owns her own dance studio. Oh, yeah. People in Charlotte are well aware who Kimberly, yeah. Kimberly, her dance studio and her reputation around Charlotte is very, very high. So so that, I love watching those I kids can attest dance. To that. It's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, she's coaching too. And yep. that's basically what it is. And uh, so, no, the, it was, it's hard sometimes because people, you know, just would say something to me or try to pull me away. But it was something that I loved watching my kids be coached by someone else. I did not mind. I, I gave Kimberly absolutely no coaching. In that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to try to do some things early with Scott, but I was afraid to push him too much because I wanted him to enjoy it. And I think that he's watching him coach some of the youth games now is something that I really, really enjoy doing. I saw him coach a basketball game just a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was fun watching him do that. Well, so you're going to love this story a couple, and then I'm going to let you go. I know you got a lot going on again. Thank you so much, coach. This is an absolute treat. A couple, a couple of weeks ago, um, I mentioned your son, Scott and, and your grandchildren, and your, they, they live down the street from us. So uh, one of your grandsons knocked on our door and he's like, Hey, uh, my oldest name is Tate. Does Tate want to come? We're going to play basketball in our gym at one o'clock. And I said, sure. I said, we got to take him. He's got a little practice when he's done. I'll have him there. So I showed up and Scott had like four or five middle school age boys. My son's in fifth. Maybe some of them were in sixth or seventh. And for the, and then I was like, All right, I'll be back in an hour. And then Scott texted me. He said, Hey, can, can he stay a little longer? They're having a blast. They're playing three on three. They're going, they're competing pretty hard. I said, you can have him back. I'll, I'll take him back at eight o'clock, run his ass to the ground. You know what I mean? And then Scott brought him back and, and I could just tell by talking to Scott and getting to know him, how much he enjoys the time with the kids. And he enjoys not only time with his own kids, but he had five or six other neighborhood boys or whoever over the house playing pickup basketball in the gym. It was, it was a really special moment that I know my kid really enjoyed. Well, I've been there a couple of times when he've had some of those other kids over and I've really enjoyed it. And so cool. You know, you, that used to be a, like a garage for a couple of uh, RVs, the yeah. former owners. And, and so he decided to keep it and make it into a gym and we helped him get a pretty nice floor out there. So it's uh, uh it is something that I enjoy watching him do. And, and uh, the, Last, again, I guess it was about two weeks ago, the, his youngest is, is court and court's 10. And so I saw one of their games and it's fun watching them do that. And, and as you know, I mean, watching your kids do something and watching Kimberly's kids, the dancers, when they get to the nationals oh. and they go, they travel everywhere and we do all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's fun. And I don't know what I'm watching at all, except if one has the right arm up, I'm pretty well know <laughs> the other should have the right arm up too. But uh, uh, it is, and, and Greg, it's something that I know what you've done with your kids and your family. And uh, looking back, if it would not been from a high school coach and my little league baseball coach is the first team I was ever on, you know, those kind of people really, uh, are extremely important to me. And, and I remember every coach I ever had in any sport. And one of the coaches that I competed against a little bit when I was a high school coach, uh, coached the girls team up in Western North Carolina. And he's the guy that said, if you coach someone 30 years later, you can see something you gave them. And it's your job to make sure it's something positive. And I've never forgotten that either. Yeah, it's so special. I, and again, just thinking back and watching my dad my whole life, you know, do it at the high school level and the kids come back with their kids and their grandkids to alumni days. And I, I just remember at, at the moment when I was in high school, I thought it was cool. But now looking back as a father and saying, you know, this many guys 
went back home to see my dad. You know, obviously I love my dad and whatnot, but like he, it's just, it, there's something really special. Well, the last thing coach, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to let you go again. Most of our audience are parents. They're parents of young children. They're parents of young children who are trying to navigate the very complex, the very complicated world of youth sports. That's the entire Genesis behind this show, the, the conversation. So if you could speak at, with your perspective, both as a father, as a hall of fame coach, all your experiences that you've gone through in athletics, what would you say to a young family that's just starting out who has children who a want to pursue athletics and they want to continue to go? What would you say to these parents as far as the approach, the mentality, the balance after everything you've been through in your experiences that would give them a good shot of navigating this in a positive way? Well, Greg, I think you use one word that I think is great and that's the balance. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be concerned that they win every game. Yeah. During the game, you're darn right. You want to win. <laughs> but, you know, somebody, if they don't win, you, know, you can't keep their dinner away from them or something like that. The, the helicopter parents, those parents who are just totally involved, it can cross the line. I always wanted Scott for sure. I wanted him to enjoy playing basketball. And I didn't want him to play because I had played and coached and all that kind of thing. The parents that I see who do the best job are totally supportive, very realistic. And that's something in today's times that you have to keep reminding him of. Must be very realistic. This should be fun. Right now, I'm 71 years old, and if I could go out on the floor at Smith Center tonight and play pickup basketball, I would do it because basketball was fun to me. Now, during the game, nobody wanted to win more than I did. I've had people make fun of how competitive uh, the idea of uh, I got, got my key and put it in a lock before somebody else could get their key out, and I said, beat you. You know, so the competitiveness <laughs> is there, but it is something it's, it's got to be fun. If it's not fun and if you can't challenge yourself and do the best you can possibly do, and if the other guy beats you, you got to be able to shake his hand. And every time I went through the, the lineup at the end of the game, if we won, I would always say to the guy, you know, we played really well or we shot it well during that time period or whatever. And if they beat us, I would say, congratulations. I feel good for you. We've got a lot of work to do, but I feel good for you. And so that's the way to me that I would want a parent to be to allow their kid and give them opportunities, but then allow them to choose how much they want to push it, how much they want to invest. And it's like the, it's like the old saying, it's like the stock market. The more you invest, the more chance you have to get something better out of it. And that's, you know, to me, give me a ball and a goal and a lot of sweat and it could be a good time. And I think that's the way to do it. But I've been fortunate, you know, you're talking about former players we're getting ready to go to New Orleans and Kansas is there and North Carolina. And I have former players from both teams, but they always talk about how much we were together, how much we cared and how hard I pushed them, but they had to supply the interest themselves. And sometimes parents get it a little out of perspective. And that's something I think so much harder for kids nowadays. When you came up, when I came up, you know, if we played, that was great. But nowadays, the parents push it so much. And again, I'll use that terminology, the helicopter parents. That, that's really hard on kids. Allow the kids to make the decisions how much they want to invest. And if they want to invest, then try to give them as many opportunities as you can. Well, Coach, I don't think anyone could say it any better than that. So again, Coach, your, your time today on You Think. Um, thank you so much. Again, with all eyes this weekend, we all know where we'll all be 
all eyes are on this weekend's final four, especially the matchup. I know locally here in Charlotte, I don't think anyone's gotten anything done all, all, all week long. Everyone, everywhere you go, people are talking about Duke, North Carolina, final four down in new Orleans. I know you're heading down there and for you to take time out of your busy schedule with everything going on with you and your family and, and the Brack and the March madness. I, I just can't tell you how much your voice means to this conversation here at you think coach. And uh, we wish the Tar Heels nothing but success. Enjoy the moment. Um, enjoy watching coach Davis and knowing that you played a big part into uh, what they're doing down there in Chapel Hill. Well, Greg, thank you for doing things like this. I loved watching you play, but now you're handing and giving back. And you know, there's only two kinds of people. You either a taker, or you're a giver, and that's what you're doing. You're giving back, and I appreciate you. Uh, keep doing the things you're doing, and yes, I have on Carolina blue, and as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, Saturday night, there's only one color blue, big fella. <laughs> all right, Coach. Well, we'll all be watching. That's uh, that's for sure. Good luck. Can we get a prediction? Oh, yeah, the Tar Heels. Yeah, by how many? We got a score? You know, I don't have a score. I've never, all right, that's I, fine. I love gambling on the golf course. And some <laughs> other things. I've never been to gamble on college athletics, but at the Fair end. Fair enough. If it's one, it's going to, I'll be as happy as it would be if it was a hundred one, but go talk. Fair enough. Fair enough, coach. Well, thanks so much. And uh, have a great trip to New Orleans. Okay, Greg. Thank you. And thanks for everybody else too. Thank you. Take care. All right. Well, not all guests in all interviews are created equal. So the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with coach Williams in anticipation of this week's a uh, huge March Madness Final Four matchup between Duke and North Carolina it was just an absolute treat. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, Coach's voice and and perspective is just so important in this conversation. So we ask you guys to rate, review, subscribe. You can visit us on social media at Youth Inc. We love hearing from our fans. I hope you guys enjoy the game, enjoy March Madness, enjoy the Final Four, the final weekend of the tournament, and uh, thank you again for another special episode here on Youth Inc. Brought to you by Audio Rama and our friends in Invisalign. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Roy Williams, and we can't wait to see you guys next week.